on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We jump right into local college football by recapping the insane four-overtime thriller between OU and Texas. We break down the good, the bad, and the ugly for OU in that crazy Red River shootout win. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap some of the marquee games from a great weekend of college football. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Chargers and Saints. To finish up, we discuss a castle. Yes, a castle that's for sale in Oklahoma City in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Oh, man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. Beautiful Monday, October 12th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Now we're recording this on Sunday night and... Whoa, what a weekend. What a weekend. <laughs> but b- before, we, before we start talking about college football, and, and right now uh, the Lakers are beating the absolute hell out of the Miami Heat, and it looks like they will be NBA champions. Monday is my mother's birthday. Ah. Birthday, Mom. I love you. You're the best. Thank you for giving me life. And congrats on turning 35. Tremendous. I heard 35 is a good age. So I, I'm sure you'll enjoy your birthday, mother. I love you. What a son. What a son. Unbelievable. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. And what a weekend of college football it was. And, and not just the OU Texas game. And clearly, we're going to get deep into that one. I, I think we'll have a, a lot to say on that football game, but all around just some entertaining games. It it was a lot of fun. So let's not waste any time. Let's get to the local college football. And that's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. 
It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. OU Texas, the 116th meeting. <laughs> that was an absolutely crazy football game. So, Teddy, this, this is my idea. I want to talk about the overtimes. and It's because so much shit happened in this football game. It's impossible to talk about it all. It's like three different games, honestly. The it, first half, the second half, and then overtime. It, it's, it, it was unbelievable. So I, I want to talk about the overtime first, all four of them. And then we can do what we normally do, talk about offense and defense. But I want to break it into three categories for each. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That way, I think we can hit all the major points from this football game, and I, I know you have several thoughts. I do. I, <laughs> I do. I had, um, you know, the drive home was interesting. I left after we finished the post game, and I was driving home, and I was just like, I'm, why did that happen? <laughs> Not how, not uh, – it was just like, why did that happen? I felt like – I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Okay, let's start with the overtimes. Um, should have never happened. Should have never right. gotten to that point. Uh, but let's talk about it first because it was exciting as hell. It, it really was. Rattler with some big-time plays in overtime. Uh, the touchdown throw to Stogner in the first overtime to tie it up, gave him a chance. That was a great catch by Stogner, bringing it in up high and scoring. And then uh, I don't we, – we're going to get into what happened with the defense, but in overtime it, it was like Ellinger was covered in Vaseline. Uh, they just they, – they couldn't tackle him in the first couple overtimes. He was very slippery, but the defense did. They ended up getting the stop in the third overtime and it forces the field goal. Dicker, the kicker, had been driving it low all day, and Perrion Winfrey got some really good penetration and blocked it, and it was huge. It was huge. I mean, it was like, okay, all OU needs is a field goal, but they'd been rolling on offense in overtime. It was like, hey, go score a touchdown and win the football game. So third overtime. Ted, they're running it well. They conferred a third and one. And then I have no idea why Lincoln Riley did what he did. I, I still don't. I, I've, I've rewatched the game twice. Now, after watching the entire thing in person, and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why you wouldn't just go punch the ball in the end zone. I mean, they run one play to center the football up, and then they kick a field goal on second down in overtime. And I understand Gabe Burkich is a good kicker. We love the kid's swag. He's been fantastic. He was great last year. He's missed a couple kicks this year. I still have a ton of confidence in that kid. But it made absolutely no sense to me. I, I, you never leave it up to the kicker. Never. Especially never, not never. College. No. College kickers, it's like it's a hashtag for a reason. <laughs> right. I, I, I thought it was a huge coaching mistake. I did. And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I don't think I hid the way I felt about it. 
on the broadcast. I was like, I, I don't know why they're doing this. And then he yanks it, and you get to the fourth overtime. Now, fourth OT, Rattler climbs the pocket, drops an absolute laser beam dime to Drake Stoops, throws an even better ball to Weiss on the two-point conversion. A tremendous throw, maybe his best throw of the day. And then Trey Brown makes a nice play on a bad ball from Ellinger to intercept it in, in the game. But it was – I don't know. How, how did we even get to those overtime? Like, how? Why? I don't know, man. I, you know, we went in at halftime. Was it 7 – was it 10-10 or 17-17 at halftime? 17-17. 17-17 at halftime. And I felt like it should have been like 28 to zero at that point with kind of how we had dominated the action, but we went in, it was tied and then we came out and actually it started looking like on the scoreboard, what I felt like it should have in the first half. We had that long drive, we dominated there and, you know, Texas had the momentum late. They had a couple of guys, Ellinger, we can, you know, he's he's catching a ton of heat out there and, and everything, and, and that's just the nature of it. But, dude, that was one hell of an individual effort. I mean. I, why do you think OU fans have such a tough time acknowledging that I, – I don't think he's a great quarterback. I don't. When, when you talk about the intangibles of great quarterbacks. But that dude's a damn football player. Yeah. Like it, it almost looked, it looked like a high school team at points in time where it was he, he was the only guy right Texas. To the best player and let him run around. It, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought he was spectacular late in that football game. I really did. I I did. The only reason they were in that damn game was because of him. So yeah. you don't have to like the kid. You can make fun of him. I know he's one and four, but that kid's a football player. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but he's a hell of a football player. There's a difference. He's, He's one and four, and I think his four losses have all been really close, and his teams haven't been anywhere near as good as Oklahoma's teams. And he's got them close in, in every single game. So, um, yeah, we shouldn't have been there, but back, like I think the – I didn't think we managed the clock well at the end of regulation. We didn't think we managed that situation well. And I'm with you on the on the field goal in, in triple overtime. Just pounded in there. I, Here's I still the can't thing. believe you, it. You blocked the first field goal. That basically puts the other team – like, they've said, it's over. Screw it. I mean, they're going to win this. All they have to do is kick a field goal. So you've got so much momentum, just bury them. Just go put it in the end zone and finish the thing. So – and I know he and Plank asked him the question in the post game, and he said that um, he felt good with it and would do it again tomorrow. So, I mean, I I, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I said I've never I don't think I've ever seen anyone kick it on second down, third down. Okay, but why not run it and get five more yards if you're going to kick it? Like I I I don't get it. okay. Let's just before I lose my mind on that one scenario. <laughs> Uh, let's start with the offense. We usually start with the offense. So um, we're going to go the good, the bad, and the ugly of the offense. So let's start with the good, the run game. 
I thought they ran it pretty efficiently. Now, numbers are a little skewed when you look at the average because of some of the big losses on, you know, reverses. I, I, I don't count that shit. <laughs> Pledger, Pledger was at six yards carry, and I thought he played really well. I thought he ran tough. Got his he, best run was the fumble. Oh, yeah. just a and great that's, run. And that's a classic scenario. Like, he's going to the ground. You relax just a little bit as a running back, and someone punches it out. But I thought that they were good running the football now, I think Texas's run defense, and we talked about it leading in the game, they don't have things figured out, and they did some things where I was like, what, what is going on? But Pledger was good. Marcus Major had some good runs. We saw some more QB run game from, from Rattler, and I think he has proven now at this point that he can do that and be responsible when it comes to protecting himself. So I think we're going to see that component of this offense grow I thought that that run game set up some really good stuff in the play action, but also some really good stuff in the screen game for Lincoln Riley. I thought they built some nice things off of that to utilize the screen game. That stuff was successful. You mentioned the 17 play drive. That was their best drive of the season. Yep. And it's, it's not even close. Uh, there was a dominant drive that took up essentially the entire third quarter they ran it 10 times. There were different schemes. Uh, Rattler using his legs, some nice third down conversions, punching it into the end zone, running the football on that drive. That, that was phenomenal football. And it's not exactly a drive that OU fans are accustomed to because normally it's a couple runs, then some big explosive play gets you down into the red zone, something like that. But that was that drive kind of made me think that OU can play a couple couple different styles offensively. The offensive line was solid, but I, I loved every second of that drive. That that drive brought joy to my heart. It was tremendous. Yeah, and I think as I'm looking at it, I think there was one, two, three, four, five, six passes. Is that right? 11 runs and six passes? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And, no, I thought that was, I thought that was great. And I thought that was what OU was going to do the rest of the game. But we came out the, the very next possession, and the first play was a pass. After the previous possession where we went 17 plays and a touchdown, the first five plays of that drive were runs. And we come out and we throw the ball three times and punt. Mm. So that's frustrating. You know, I, I don't know after, you know, and, and what happens is it's like, okay, they're going to be thinking run here. Let's hit them with a little play action. We'll get some, get a nice little gain here, loosen them back up for the running game. I mean, I get the thinking, but I mean, at the time, you're up 31 17. Pound the rock, just pound the rock. And then, you know, we punt it and, you know, the rest is history, I, I guess, really. But I, I, I wonder if there's – if Lincoln doesn't trust it yet, you know, doesn't yeah. trust the run game like, like No, I know to. what you mean. But so, okay, let's just skip to that. Uh, that's under my uh, – the ugly 
uh, characterization for the offensive performance. So they have that awesome drive, right? But you have four drives in the fourth quarter as an offense to go in the football game, to put it away, four drives. The first one was an absolute mess. The second one, you start moving a little bit, start off promising some good run game, then it stalls. The third one, it starts looking like maybe the play calling's getting a little conservative, and then it goes from conservative to cute on a third down reverse, which I didn't understand. And then the fourth drive ends in Stogner's drop, which maybe the ball could have been out in front of him a little better, but that's four drives in the fourth quarter to go in the football game. And they couldn't do it. So all the positives that come from what they did in the first three quarters, what they did in overtime, that fourth quarter has been the problem for this team and continues to be the problem. Now, I want to give them their props. That offense looked like it had no momentum, and they were able to turn it on for overtime. Yeah. They bounced back. I thought that, that they showed some serious resiliency there. That was impressive. But that fourth quarter was a mess. It, it, it's got to be better. I, I don't know how you go from rolling like that. You go from a dominant drive, like that 17-play drive, to then not being able to put anything together for four straight drives in the fourth quarter when you've been kicking this team's ass. Yeah. It's confusing, Teddy. I don't understand. Well, I mean, I, I think maybe it's a, a young team that really hasn't uh, figured out that killer mentality maybe. Um, I don't know, but, you know, back to that, that those last couple of possessions, you know, we take possession on the 20-yard line, and we have a two-yard run, and then we have a three-yard run, and then we try the reverse – and we end up on our own 15, so it ends up being we're punting on fourth and 15. And Texas takes possession. Like, they need – they're down two touchdowns. We give them the ball in the 50 because we go backwards and then have a poor punt. So they go right down and score a touchdown, I mean, like that. And then, you know, the, the, next, the next series of play calls I didn't think, you know, were bad. But, you know, the – the passing play is, you know, I probably wouldn't have done that, but, you know, it's like. I, so, I understand. I, I, I got no problem with that play call, right? I, I keep saying, hey, you got to go in the game. I got no problem with him throwing it there. Stogner was there, should have made the play, and I, I know people are questioning Lincoln Riley, throwing it there instead of running and just taking off the time. I understand. Or maybe you maybe you pick up the first down, run it at also that with the way that they ran it, that's definitely a possibility. But I like the aggressiveness. Uh, go win the damn game. Now, also didn't know that the refs were going to give them 46 seconds out of thin air, which I was losing my mind in the bleachers in the section I was placed in because I received a text like the next play, and I was like, wait, what? And then I saw – I mean – 
I was losing it, but no one could hear me because I was too far away. And at that point, the Texas student section, they were all down around the bowl and actually making a lot of noise. That's pretty impressive. But I just I, – I, I can't – I can't disagree with Lincoln Riley throwing it there because it was there. The play was there to be made, and they just didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a – that's the risk of that's the risk of passing it, though. You know, you can take a – maybe we convert a, a first down, but here's what I can guarantee happens. I can guarantee we run off 40 seconds of clock. Right. Um, you know, so it's, it's, the sure, it's the sure bet. So um, – yeah, I, I I didn't agree with it, but I can understand the logic there. I, but at the end of the day, we've got to be able in the fourth quarter when you're up two touchdowns, we've got to be able to stick to the run, and especially whenever we've had a 17 play drive right there uh, late in the third quarter. I mean, that's what we got to build on from that point on. And it was remember, it was the 17 play drive, and then the defense forced a three and out. Yeah. Yep. And they were right back on the field. But that's and the Texas's, drive whenever we threw it three times and punted. Yeah, and, and Texas's defense was – I mean, there's, there's no way they're even recovered at that point being out there for that many plays. It was, it was frustrating. Uh, I know they won the game, but I, it, it just has to be better in the fourth quarter. It, it's got to be better. Now, we got to talk about Rattler, right? And, and not necessarily – his play, but did Lincoln Riley put him in timeout? Is that yeah. – did I just witness that? Like, it, it, it worked. Whatever the hell we want to call it, it worked. But he got yanked quick, and those were two very bad turnovers. He threw it right to Overshone, and then I don't know what he was doing on that one. Well, you gotta, then- you got to have better ball security than that. He almost turned it over in um, towards the end of regulation. Oh, you want to talk about that fumble? Oh, my gosh. Just pure ripped it, got it ripped out, and Creed, I think it was Creed that jumped on it, right? I think it was was a combination of Creed and Jeremiah Hall doing some (laughs) unforgivable things (laughs) at the bottom of a pile. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. His, His good is really good, but his bad is really bad and he's got to get that figured out he does because i just i mean i think we we have the ability to be a good football team but we're not good enough right now against quality defenses and quality teams to overcome needless turnovers we're just not that good right now we've been that good the last couple of years to overcome some major turnover deficits like we haven't won the turnover battle in 13 to the last 14 going into Texas, and I don't even know if we won the turnover battle there. I, I haven't even looked at that stat for some reason. But it's, you know, that's his – the good is great. I mean, some of the throws, some of the runs, the ability out of the pocket is really, really good. But, man, the needless turnovers, they're going to bite us if it keeps happening. Yeah, yeah. Got to take care of the football. Yeah, got to value the football. I will say this. I did think he showed that he's got some shit to him after he got put in his timeout and then went back out there. And other than that fumble that you're talking about, 
where he got sandwiched and it could have been pretty bad for Oklahoma. But other than that, I thought he made good decisions in the second half. Uh, I thought he took what the defense gave him. I thought he showed some, some really good accuracy, showed confidence. And, and I thought that was a good display of maturity from him. Uh, and he played pretty well. So that was a bizarre situation. I mean, it really was. All of a sudden, your Mordecai was out there. It was like, okay, is Mordecai going to be the guy the rest of the way? And then Rattler was back when they came out of the locker room. It was, it was interesting, but no one knows those QBs better than Lincoln Riley, right? He's the quarterback yeah. coach. He's, he's the one with them every single day. So he probably knew that maybe that would get Rattler going a little bit. I guess that was the strategy. It, it, it worked, I guess. It looked okay on the first possession. But the next possession was the comedy of errors. And it was like, oh boy. <laughs> I, I don't, it was like, at first I was like, okay, he came in, calmed him down. Had a, Poor had Mordecai, a when, he, <laughs> when he kicked the ball out of his own hand, I was like, oh no. Oh no. That, I, felt, I felt for the kid on that one. But that was, once again, that was a weird decision by Lincoln. But, uh, and I know he said, like, he had planned on getting Tanner Mordecai some snaps in that game. There's no way that's true. <laughs> like, there's, there's just no way. But it, it worked. It worked. A Jedi mind trick, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, have you – I was like, there, I guess you ride Mordecai the rest of the way? Uh, it was bizarre, man. It would be like um... – McCarthy saying, well, we planned on getting Andy Dalton some uh, snaps today anyway. Oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll to, get that, to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, but. that was uh, – <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. But, hey, you know what? Maybe he did. Maybe he planned on Rattler having a couple of bad turnovers. I mean, maybe that's actually – there's some actual truth to that. Could be true. Uh, I doubt it, but you know what? <laughs> it worked. Once again, it worked. Ted, I, I know you uh, you watch the defense very closely. So uh, let's talk about that side of the football in this game. And I, I, once again, they played three and a half quarters of really good football. Yeah. So, I mean, they harassed Ellinger. They – he looked miserable back there. They were getting pressure on him. They completely shut down Texas's running game, like with the running backs. I think their running backs had like 19 yards on 11 carries. Like they, they could get nothing going. And for three and a half quarters, they were playing some damn good defense. So well, before we just absolutely shit on them for the way that they played late in the fourth and – some of the things they did in overtime. What did you see from them? What did they do well? I, I thought coverage was, you know, it's the way you grade it now is a little bit different than, than ever before. It's like we don't have – we're not missing free runners out there. There's, we're, we're in position. We're competing for footballs, which is, is what you want. You know, talking about that, that Iowa State game and the Kansas State game previously, it's like I know no one wants to hear this, but we've got the guys in position to make the plays. They're right there. They just got to make them. And I thought we made a lot more plays against Texas. We tackled better. We were in the backfield more. 
uh, we were winning the line of scrimmage. In the secondary, we were competing for footballs and driving on routes. So, I mean, honestly, there was a whole bunch of good in there. Uh, a whole bunch of good, but I still think that we have a conditioning issue. Our our guys, our defensive line at the end of the sec or into the first half, going into into the halftime, you made the comment that they were they almost had to carry the guys up the ramp, and then at the end of fourth quarter, they were smoked being out on the field, and everyone was smoked. Ellinger, everyone was just exhausted. It was hot too. Yeah, it was a hot day. It was a it was a physical football game, so some of that's going to be expected. But man, I. I still believe that this defense is, and you know, I talked about this kind of some in the pregame leading in, into the Saturday's game is it's kind of a race to see who can get good first because training camp was not good for really anyone this year. Bunch of guys missing extended time. You know, we had to send our guys home for a week. We didn't get summer conditioning like we're used to. So it's kind of a race right now to see who can get in football shape the quickest and who can get their tackling and playmaking abilities back the quickest. And I, I'm i not going to say that we're doing it the quickest in the Big 12, but we're progressing week by week defensively. I think, I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's fair for what they did for the majority of that football game, a couple guys I thought that stood out. Uh, Perrion Winfrey did some good things. He, he's starting to do some more disruptive things. He's starting to use his hands a little more uh, than he, he – he swims around a lot of stuff, which I still don't love, but I think he's starting to understand uh, what they're looking for from him a little more. But Isaiah Thomas continues yeah. to play good football for this team. And I'm not going to lie – I didn't expect that kid to be putting up the type of production he's putting up. And he was all over Ellinger. Did some really good things. Drew some holding calls as well. So I, I, I've been impressed with what he's done. And then the guy in the back end that stood out, Woody Washington. Yeah. I thought he played a good game. Uh, seemed like he was in great phase a lot of the time in coverage he had the it's interception we thought. Tackles. Yeah, yeah, tackled well. Had the interception we thought put the game away. False. But uh, I thought he did some good things. And number zero looks pretty good on him. I'm not going to lie. It looks pretty good. I'm starting to get used to zero on the football players. It's still still weird, a little weird for me, but I'm, I'm starting to get more accustomed to it. Yeah. I, I, I got no problem with it. I think it's cool. I think it's cool, but okay. So a lot of good things from OU's defense, Ted. But what did they not do well in your mind? Now they the drive. I mean, Texas goes on two long drives in the fourth quarter, right? Within seven, and they've been playing so well up to that point, and then the drive where. Texas goes and ties a football game up. I mean, they just couldn't get to Ellinger. Like you said, the pass rush wasn't there. But they also couldn't prevent him from scrambling either. Yeah. And they were even doing some spy things, and they just didn't execute. So, yeah, that wasn't great. 
That wasn't great. No, and I'll tell you right now, when you're playing defense and there's an athletic quarterback, let's say you play a first down is a running play, second down is a uh, – let's say they complete a pass underneath. So you've got like a third and, and six or seven. And here's the snap. It's a pass. You drop into coverage. The pass rush is, is doing their thing. Coverage on the back end is doing their thing. And then the quarterback breaks contain and scrambles. And you go into scramble mode, and you're trying to lock anyone that's in your zone. The DBs are chasing guys all over the place. The D-line is scrambling. They're chasing the quarterback. Quarterback scrambles to the right, and then he comes back left, and then he comes up the middle, and then he runs and dies for the first down. It's like the wind is gone out of your cell whenever you feel like you're going to get off the field. And, you know, you've, you've, it's like if you were running sprints, someone said, okay, here's the last one, give it all you've got, and you give it all you got. And then he says, just kidding, we're starting a whole new set of sprints now. That's what it feels like mentally. It's like you, you're just like there's a there's – a, there's, it's like someone pulls the rug out from under you. So, and I think that happened like three times on that drive for the, for the defense. And it's just, it's, it's exhausting. So it's really hard whenever those drives start going and they get you on a couple of third downs, it's, you're just hanging on for dear life at that point. And that kind of happened. That's, you know, and I think that's a conditioning issue, but also it's like, when you've got a quarterback like that that can scramble around and make those plays, it's just – it's a killer. It's worse in the passing game than the run game. Because the run game, you're expected, okay, here it comes. He's keeping it. Let's rally to it and tackle. But in the pass game, when everyone drops back and you lock your guys down, you cover like 70 yards in a single play. And it's just it's, – it's brutal. And he did that. And at the end of it, he's also a big physical guy that's hard to bring down – and there was a couple times that we met him like maybe a yard or two short of the first down, and he's able to plow forward and, and fall for that first down. So, I mean, it's just tough. You, you hate to be in that position late, and I feel like once they got that momentum going that we couldn't answer it. So the, the main thing is just continue to be able to have that pass rush because you can look at Ellinger. Whenever our rush was um, – was, uh, you know, they were they had their energy and they were flying off the football and they were creating chaos. He was not any good. But whenever they were tired and couldn't get there and ended up just kind of catching and looking in lanes, he shredded us. That that was the that was the big difference right there. Yeah. I I thought Ellinger played about as well as he could have, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I will say, let me add this. They we created a lot of those scrambles ourselves. And you heard me talking about in the broadcast that we keep having guys make inside moves on the edge, but no one loops to cover them to contain. And for a guy like Ellinger, it's like a free pass for a first down every single time. So I don't know why we're, why we're not coordinating our rush better on the front. I mean, there's no way. If you're playing a statue, okay, but if you're playing a guy that likes to scramble like Ellinger, there's no way you can do that. You cannot make that mistake. If you're going inside, you've got to tell someone to have them cover you. What's more frustrating, OU doing that or Joseph Fosai just sprinting up the field 
and not setting the edge in the run game. I have no idea. Like, I mean, he did it so many times. Was he? He's got to be coached to do it. I think right? so because it's on film too. I was. It's so funny because I was showing Toby before the game. I was like, "Look at this idiot. He he's he's the edge guy. He's supposed to contain this play, and he like just flies up the field, and that play is out of the gate instantly. It's in the secondary, and he does he does it over and over. I have no idea why he does that. If he's getting coached that way, they should fire that coach right now. I. I mean, he does it so much, he has to be getting coached to do it. <laughs> I, I think it, it was blowing my mind. A, I was like, at any other school or any other level, it's a benchable offense to keep doing that. We can't play you. That's bad ball. That's bad, <laughs> bad ball, ball right there. now. Terrible. Uh, before we move on, special teams, Aguebu blocks the punt. I, I have no idea what that Australian kid was thinking holding on to that long, but there was also the big punt return by Marvin Mims that set up a short field, which OU's offense did capitalize on by scoring a touchdown. So I, I know that Burkich yanks the one in the third overtime, but other than that miss, it was – and the punts were – all Ooh. pretty short. Not a great Texas day. Texas hit some big ones, and he had that 56-degree wedge, and he was checking them up inside the five. That was pretty Buchevsky. nice. What a name. He also got a personal foul, which was hilarious. <laughs> On that return, it was hilarious. He tackled him and then pushed him after a big, long return. I was like, look at this idiot. But uh, it some, some better things in special yeah. teams for OU. Shocker. A, a close game that's going to come down to just a couple of plays. Uh, some big special teams matter and help turn the tide for us. The block punt was fantastic. I believe we turned that quickly into seven points, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, no, I, th- I thought that was I thought that was great and that was huge. And that's one of the the areas you can point to and say that that ended up being a difference maker for us. And I ho- hopefully that can continue. Yeah, so a, a an interesting win, but a win. <laughs> I mean, you 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 you're heading into a bye. You can teach a lot more effectively when you're going into the bye week on a win as opposed to a loss. I mean, it's 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 a huge difference. So Although it got way too interesting and should have never gotten to that point in that football game, you do have the positivity of going into this week, getting ready for TCU next, next week with some positive energy. But a lot, a lot of mistakes to correct. Let me ask you this, because I know we, we – we're second-guessing some of Lincoln's decision. Do you think Herman should have gone for two at the end of regulation? I have no – you You asked me, I was like, why not? They were – they were – they had every ounce of momentum. All they had to do run quarterback All power. they had to do was run QB sweep, and they score, or QB power, and they score. I have no idea why they didn't do it. They didn't even think about it. I mean, they were – here they come. They're on the field kicking the extra Every point. time – they had an opportunity where they were going second in overtime. They scored. I was like, why don't you just run Ellinger? They haven't stopped it. They haven't stopped it in four years. <laughs> yeah, I, I was – the in 
I said this during the broadcast because I was watching Ellinger. The only reason I think maybe they didn't do it because, dude, he was, I mean, smoked. He was done. He was <laughs> sitting there, his shoulder pads were, he was heaving, trying to get some air. That would be the only reason. But still, I mean, you've had our defense out there forever. If you go to overtime, there's it's going to take, you know, a, a five minutes or so to get everything coin tossed, get everyone's wind back. So, yeah, I was I was kind of shocked by that, and I haven't seen if he's getting if he's getting hammered for not doing that or or what. But um, I I was I was thinking that there's a good chance that they're going to do that. I was I was pretty shocked too that they didn't they didn't just try and punch it in there. After being no down idea. two touchdowns with, you know, hardly any time left, just trying to get the win. And it's not like you've used your two-point play in that game or anything. Like, every coach has that. I, I don't know. It's Tom Herman. What, 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 do you, what do you expect, right? Yep. All right, let's move on to Call Your Shot, and that is brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Oh, Rock and Roll. Oh, hang on. Our guy from last Call Your Shot, three turnovers. Oh, yeah. Um, our it. man at Moby underscore Dick, Dick underscore. underscore. <laughs> he called it the three turnovers. He called it. Congratulations. I believe it was Mike D, right? Congrats, yeah. man. Great call. Hey, that you you deserve something for that. We're not going to give it to you, but you deserve something. <laughs> call your shots brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that Hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy whose son happened to uh, catch the game-winning touchdown in OU Texas, fulfilling his destiny, in my opinion. No big deal. No big deal. Just catch the game winner. That was awesome. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. I mean, I saw someone post the, the where it started, where it is now, or that whole thing that's going on, and Coach Stoops sitting there with the two twins, uh, newborn twins on Owen Field. To catching the game winner in Texas, that's pretty cool, man. It was it, gets. it was pretty cool, and that was one hell of a throw. Yeah. That was one hell of a throw. Um, now, we tweeted out your boldest takeaway from OU's win over Texas, and this one comes from John Roy, at John underscore Roy. He says, regardless of current Big 12 standings, the Red River shootout was still the battle for conference supremacy. Huh. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. K-State and Iowa State are both undefeated. Oklahoma State's still undefeated in conference play. I, I think everyone's going to lose this year. I don't think there's going to be an undefeated team in the Big 12, but conference supremacy. Your thoughts, Ted? Well, 
I think it's more of a uh, macro view of the Big 12, you know, um, recruiting, who's the big dog, all of that stuff. Because, you know, I unless some unless we can continue to get better, maybe that happens. But Oklahoma's got a long way to go to win a Big 12 championship this year. So I think it's just more about, like, had we lost and dropped three straight, you know, that would that would have been pretty telling. But I, I think it's just kind of a reminder in that game that maybe Oklahoma's not going anywhere. This year, I I mean, I agree that there's some good football teams out there, still some undefeated squads. It's going to be difficult. But I do think that it was a pretty big step to say that we're not as down as you thought we were. Yeah, I I agree with you. Big picture-wise – I agree with you, John underscore Roy, but just looking at this season, it's going to take a hell of a lot to go right to fall into place for Oklahoma to win the Big 12 championship. I mean, the two teams they lost to are undefeated still in conference play, and they're playing pretty damn well. So it's going to be tough to even get to the Big 12 championship game for OU. Here's a reminder, too. The first half of that football game, really the first quarter of that football game, was atrocious. Oh, my gosh. So bad that Toby said, and we can see why they're uh, 0-2 and 1-1 and in Big 12 play right now, or whatever it was. It was, pretty, it was pretty funny, but it was – I mean, turnovers, penalties. We didn't even talk about the penalties in the game recap. Oh, my gosh. Oh. But, yeah – I, I walked away from that game. I, I am not going to lie to you. I, I picked my wife up, and I was driving home, and I, and I looked at her, and I was like, I'm so damn glad OU won, but neither of those football teams are very good. <laughs> I, I, and I still feel that way after watching it, after diving into it, deep. Like, I am so damn happy that OU beat Texas because it, it, it just brings me so much joy. It, it does. But I also was like, Texas, that, especially, that defense sucks. Yeah, they're I mean, that good. defense is – I'm not even going to say they're, they're not executed, but they're bad. They play bad. They're bad at football right now. Yep. So, I don't know, but – They're playing a 4-3 scheme with a three-man front mentality, and it, that equals uh, horrible football. Yeah, and you know, I shitty. said the same thing uh, whenever I got home to my neighbor, and he was. We were talking about the game, and I was like, "Well, if you're not going to be good, be entertaining," and that's what it was. <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that's the best. Like, it, it's clearly now. Who knows? Once you get Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson and Trajan Bridges back, um, maybe it maybe Rattler grows a bunch this year. As yeah. a player, I mean, it, it could get really entertaining. And maybe some things break your way if you're Oklahoma, right? Maybe yeah. there's – each team drops one or hey, two. Like, I hey, don't trust never Kansas know. State or Iowa State oh, or even no. Oklahoma State at all to win, win football games, even ones that you think should be an easy win. Hey, I'll give it up to my man T. Rowe at Iowa State in the post game. We were talking about how no one was going to be there and coming off two wins, and he said, well – it's probably going to be the greatest OU Texas game of all time then. And four did, overtimes didn't disappoint. 
it did make me sad that that place wasn't full for that. For, God. I, I mean, because it I was, mean, even though it was, it was sloppy and, I mean, straight up bad at some points by both teams, but it was entertaining as hell. And the fact that there weren't 95,000 in that, in the Cotton Bowl to see that, that sucks. And it, I walked into there and, and when it was kicking off and I looked around and it made me sad. Well, like, here's the thing, you know, they had limited capacity and no state fair for safety reasons. And it wasn't for the coronavirus. It was because they knew it was going four overtimes in the heat. Let me tell you <laughs> something. If we would, if it would have been a normal 95,000 people in there and normal partying going on, they would have been carrying people out of there in stretchers after five hours. They would have been dropping like <laughs> flies. I drank, I drank a record amount of water since I've been doing, uh, since I've been on the radio crew with you. I drank, I mean, I drank ten waters during that game. I was like, oh, heat, you're not getting my ass, no chance. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was hot. Uh, one quick uh, update for Oklahoma State. Uh, before we move on to the National College Football Roundup, Baylor had to shut down all football activities late last week. So Oklahoma State's game that was supposed to be played against Baylor this upcoming weekend has been postponed and moved to December 12th. So that is that open week before the Big 12 championship game. So I guess that's... I don't know how to how to view that as good or bad or what. At least the Big 12 has that flexibility built in. And also, Oklahoma State, AP poll comes out. They're number seven. I mean, hey, uh, nothing better than not playing and moving through up through the polls, right? That's about as good as it gets. Got a lot. I don't know what's going to happen with, with Baylor. Um, God, they've had a horrible run of it. You would think by now all their guys would have had it and they've been able to to push through, but, man, they've been shut down a ton. So. Dave Aranda, not the best of luck, but LSU's missing him. I can guarantee you that. You see that defense? Holy, Dang. oh, my gosh. Bo Pelini, he, he, may, he, he may already have been fired. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It probably already happened. We just don't know about it. All right, Ted, uh, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information for many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too if your business wants to be best in class. Connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. There were some good football games this weekend. Uh, obviously, OU Texas was the most entertaining. I mean, you don't get any better than that. But Florida goes to College Station and loses on a last-second field goal to the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, Texas A&M went 41-38. Uh, 
and it was a really big win for them. Uh, they were down double digits in the third quarter, kept fighting, and Kellen Mond is confusing. I don't understand him. If he played like that all the time, Texas A&M would be able to make some noise. I, I mean, there's right. no doubt. He was great. Uh, it was good to see A&M lean on Isaiah Spiller a little more. I thought he – I mean, that kid is a stud. He is an absolute player. There's no doubt about it. Now, A&M got a little help, right? Looked like Kyle Trask was taking Florida down the field to win that game, but then the huge fumble happens, and A&M was able to go down, set up that game-winning field goal. But it was a really fun game. Uh, Florida's offense, there's no doubt. They're legit. Hopefully Kyle Pitts is okay. Looked like he was banged out. I think it was a foot is what they were saying. But that Florida defense, uh, they got issues on that side of the ball. They got issues on defense. So this is a win. I, I don't know if this is like the signature win for Jimbo Fisher, but it felt pretty damn huge for them. I mean, it's got to be Florida's number four in the country. And we talked about it you know, last week that – Texas A&M's got to win something. Like, you can't just, you know, we can't just continue to say, well, our, our schedule's really tough. So, the fact that they got this one done, I thought that was big. I love listening to the coaches uh, bitch about the fans in the stands and how yeah, cool it was. Yeah, did you of see, all the things did, to get mad about, it was that. It's like, I'm Florida not going to get mad. To, I'm not going to get mad that my guy fumbled. I'm mad because the fans were loud. It, did you see, he was like, well, hopefully our administration will let the swamp be full next weekend when we need them. We're going to need that crowd. And the people at Florida were like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. But, hey, man, that's what A&M needed. Now, can it propel them? Sometimes a program needs a big win to uh, get them over the hump, get that confidence. Maybe that's what Kellen Mond needs to to really – turn into the the level of player that everyone has thought that he's going to be for a long time. I hope so. I'd like to see someone new in the SEC West. The more competition there, the better. Let's go. Yeah, I'm all about it now. I know people hate A&M. I've got no beef with them. i got no problem with A&M. I, I think – I don't know if people actually hate, hate A&M. I think they hate the way their fans act when they're good, which yeah, is which not is very often. But Rare. Or maybe never. So, hey, yeah. 2020, let's get weird. Why not? Let's, let's see A&M make it competitive there in the West. Okay, Tennessee goes to Georgia and takes it on the chin with a big half, uh, second half from the Bulldogs. Uh, and the game did not start off well for them. Yep. It, it brought me so much anxiety watching that center snap it way over Stetson's head and Tennessee just goes and falls on it. Just like a greased pig, Tennessee just goes and falls on it for a touchdown. And Georgia just they, – they could not get out of their own way in the first half. Uh, couldn't convert fourth and ones. Uh, but they figured things out in the second half. And that defense from Georgia, there is no doubt that that is the best watch, unit. Man. That is the best unit, offense or defense. That's the best unit in the country. Jarrett Garantano did Garantano things. This is probably the best way to describe it. Um, now, I guess it's understandable when you have a traumatic experience like he had. D 
Did you see George Pickens spray him with the water bottle? I did. And it I, was a personal foul. That was the best part. They, they gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct for it. And um, whenever they were asking what Kirby Smart about it in the – What are um, we, in seventh or eighth grade? Like, <laughs> I mean, I get that, but there's no – I mean – all you can really look at your player and say is, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? But at the end of the day, that's not a personal foul. That was unsportsmanlike, Teddy. You that's shouldn't do that. That's the dumbest I, thing I've ever I, seen in my life. I, that's when I, I, and I DVR'd that game and I, I watched it. When I saw that, I was, I was laughing my ass off. I thought it was the funniest thing. First of all, George Pickens is a joke human being. That dude I mean, you talk about good-looking athletes. Holy hell, look at that guy. But the fact that the guy that looks like that was just spraying water on him, I was losing it, dude. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. It's like it's legal for me to go out there and try and run my helmet through your quad and break your femur. But if you fall on the sideline, I can't squirt you with a water bottle. It's, just, <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I get it, like, let's grow up, but at the same time, 15-yard penalty, shut up. That's it, was, it was so damn funny. But <laughs> uh, so I, I was curious because they were just so dominant defensively, Georgia was, in the second half. So I looked it up. Second half, Georgia gave up 71 yards on 39 plays, and they forced five turnovers. Whew. Whoa. It's so like when I say they're the best unit in the country, like I've thought about this. Uh, yeah. I've thought, and now they need to figure some, some things out offensively. They got to get their run game going better. I, I wonder if Stetson is the best option for them at quarterback. I, we still haven't seen JT Daniels. So, but they're going to be in every game because that defense makes them a legit national title contender if they can iron some things out offensively. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, if you can – not being good on offense usually ends up helping your defense somewhat. Like if, you're, if you're really good on offense and you're going, you know, just ripping right down the field, well, your defense is going to have to be out there for 15 possessions, which – 15 possessions equals more yards and more points. But if it's hard to go and you've got to lean on the running game and you're down around the 11, 12 number, which is usually pretty typical, you're going to play better defensively. But you don't want to be bad offensively. Georgia's not bad, but, you know, if they were just a little bit better, a little more consistent, like the way they played in the second half is because Tennessee was – in the game, but had to get desperate to try and, you know, to try and, you know, uh, put points on the board and get back in the thing even better. And whenever you get desperate offensively, that's whenever teams tee off on you and turn you over a ton of times and get you behind the chains and can pin their ears back. So just a little bit better offensively from Georgia. They're going to be really tough. Come on, Todd Munkin. Get it together, man. Get it together. Uh, Virginia Tech goes to North Carolina in another game that just got weird. Like out of the, it was, Carolina was dominating the football game. They're up twenty-one to nothing, and then that that third quarter, all hell breaks loose. 
and no one could stop anyone, but North Carolina wins 56-45 over Virginia Tech, and that offense for North Carolina was rolling. Sam Howell put up solid numbers, but it really was that running game that was the impressive thing about the Tar Heels to me. They rushed for 400 yards. Woo. 400. That's tough to do no matter who you are and who you're playing. And I know Virginia Tech, they put up a hell of a fight, and they were missing like 15 guys or something, didn't make the trip. And I, I don't know how many of those were significant guys. Man, that sounds bad when I put it that way. I don't know how many of those you know, were guys that would have played a lot. That still doesn't sound better. They didn't have 15 dudes. I don't know if they were good or not. I'll, I, I, won't, I won't lie to you, but it, it did seem like Carolina's defense relaxed at halftime. They're like, ah, this thing's over. And Hendon Hooker, which is a great quarterback name, and Virginia Tech, and Khalil Herbert continues to roll for Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, they made it really interesting in the second half. They did, and it, it was a fun football game, but – UNC's, they, they've got that explosive offense. I just don't think that when you look at Mac Brown's team right now, they've got a lot of skill talent on the offensive side. They got a quarterback. There's no doubt that Hal is – he's legit. But I don't think they have the guys defensively just quite yet to be a real contender, even with like a Notre Dame there yeah. just this year in the ACC. But – that offense is – they're good. They're fun to watch. I, I can tell you that. Yeah, and here's the thing about UNC. Okay, on a typical year, they're not a top-10 football team right now. Um, but I think they're up to, like, number six now in the AP poll. Yeah. I mean, they're not the sixth-best team in the, in the country. Um, here's what's interesting, though, is if they can keep winning football games and at least have their time in the limelight in the top ten – I mean, just think about the recruiting class that Mac Brown put together this year so far. And it usually you're recruiting like on a good year. It's usually the, the following recruiting class. And by the way, they are, uh, they're up to number five in the AP. In the AP. Wow. Yeah. They're not the fifth top five football team, North Carolina Tar Heels people. That's crazy. OU's unranked and North Carolina is the number five team in the country. Wow. What in the world? So, but here's the thing is if, if they can continue to win games and in the season solidly, think about how he's going to recruit next year. And some of the guys that they've got coming in are going to – they're all five-star defensive players is where they're getting them. Yeah. DN, D-line, and corner. So, I mean, they've got a chance to get some dudes there pretty quickly. So, I, I, I think we all need to mentally prepare – we need to mentally prepare that North Carolina is going to be good at football. They're going to be good. Yeah. Like it, it, it may not be for two more years where they're like legit good, both sides of the ball, but they're on that. They're on that path. Just prepare yourselves people. And Sam Howell's only a sophomore. You talk about his senior year. They're going to be legit. They're going to be legit. Yeah. I just, uh, I think the mental preparation needs to start now. Now, I don't think they're a top-five football team, but they are fun to watch. I enjoy it. I, I, I'm happy for Mac Brown. Maybe it's just because I know how much pain it causes Texas fans to watch North Carolina be this good, but he, he's, a, 
every time I've interacted with Mac, he's he's an absolutely tremendous dude. So, how about yeah, that? I mean, they've top hey, five. They um they've had some players through there before. I mean, I could off the top of my head, I think uh, two NFL Hall of Famers. You know, with Peppers, you think uh, Lawrence Taylor, who most people say is the greatest defensive player in NFL history. So there's been some dudes come through there now. Um, can they do it with some consistency? Mac Brown's starting to make it look like look like that. So, and it's never made sense. We talked about it last week. It's it's never made sense that they haven't been good at football. They've got a great basketball team. It's a great school. It's a great recruiting area. They're going to be good. Just accept it. Uh, last game we're going to talk about in the ACC. Miami went to Clemson. And I tried to tell you guys that it, it, it just wasn't going to be a good experience. It, the, Miami was not going to have fun in this football game because although that offense, it, it's good. And it is. I, I still think Miami's offense is good. I want to make that clear. Clemson is just ridiculous with where they're at talent-wise right now and the consistency that they've had with the coaching staff. They've just built a monster there. And Clemson beats Miami 42-17. And it was a pretty sloppy football game, gross weather. But Clemson's just, I mean, they're just damn good. Brent Venables, their guy, Ted, I mean, he was another masterpiece of a game plan from him. He basically dared Derek Keene to beat them throwing the football and Derek King just couldn't do it. I mean, especially with how much pressure they were getting on him with some of those pressure packages that Venables had dialed up. Now, he did have that electric run. That was fun. I think we all yeah. enjoyed that. But Miami, this high-flying, up-tempo, Rhett Lashley offense, they had nine first downs in this yeah. football game. Well, I mean, a couple of things. Obviously, Clemson is – They've got them so out, man. They, they've got some dudes on that team. It's ridiculous. The conditions were not good for Miami to go in there and play against them. Um, you know, whenever the offense is the strength of your team and it's a quarterback that can run around and try and make plays, it doesn't help you whenever you're in the pouring rain and, and stuff like that. But Clemson's really good. What shocked me is, I mean, I knew Travis Etienne was good, but whoo. He looks okay. fantastic, man. I, my favorite part about Travis Etienne, his pants are at least two sizes too small for his thighs. <laughs> it's a struggle. Like, it, it looks like those things are about to burst at the seams. But the fibers are, so, are just, like, stretched <laughs> as thin as they could be. And they were, like, see-through because of all the rain. I was just like, God, look at this guy. And all I could think about when he was running – for over 200 yards on the ground and it turned the what looked like turbo. You remember the turbo oh, yeah. back on NCAA football? That's what it looked like on that touchdown run down the sideline. It's like, he's like every he's Miami running defender. And he's like, should I make a move? No, I'm just going to blow past him. And it, that was pretty cool. It was, it was unreal. But as he was running down the field, I couldn't help but think, why is this guy still playing college football? <laughs> That, that was what I thought. As, championship. That's what I love, man. Which is great, but there's there's no reason he's playing college football right now. 
Oh, he would have been at true. worst, what, an early second round draft pick? Probably, maybe not a first rounder. You know how running backs go, but I just, I just really hope nothing happens to that yeah. kid because it's clear he's NFL ready. Ask the Miami guys on defense. They'll agree I, with me. I, I mean, maybe I just haven't paid enough attention, but he looks so much thicker you know, like a built better than he did before. I thought he was always just kind of on the lean side, but it's, it's the undersized pants, man. I mean, that was a good looking athlete running down the field, man. He, he had a nice game. Yeah. I, I guess the only thing from that game that you can come away with where you're like, Oh, well maybe that's a concern for Clemson was the field goal kicking. But once it was really bad weather, well, they have three of them blocked. I think it was three. But, uh, like the only the other concern is that it, I thought their quarterback was going to get his spleen ruptured on that when he got speared right in the gut. Did you see that? Yeah, but did you see the backup? <laughs> the backup's a monster. <laughs> yeah, Ugalele, and I think we talked about this before that I saw him standing next to him on the sideline. Ugalele's like six five, two hundred fifty pounds, and Trevor Lawrence is like looks down on him he's so much bigger it's crazy they got some guys man clemson uh agree with me best team in the country right now clemson i think so yeah uh with with what i've seen and was what we saw from alabama's defense against Ole miss um you gotta go with clemson right now all right i don't want to be in those meetings with saban this uh (sighs) this coming week oh I got, I got a little something about that in my winners and losers. Uh, so let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who, who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, you know, I hate Sorry, that I it, just had like a ridiculous amount of spit build up in my mouth. It was like, oh, oh. drowning. I, I'm not, I'm leaving that in. Oh, God. <laughs> I was just like, drown myself. What in the world was that? Um, my winner is, and I, I hate the way that it happened, but it's got to be the Red Rocket. Hey, coming in the football game, mm. Andy Dalton and game-winning drive to end the thing, get the win, had some really nice throws down the stretch. Um, that's big time. And, you know, he's obviously was a longtime starter in the NFL, and it's difficult to get benched and then get relegated to being a backup. But whenever you have your moment, you got to make the best of it. And he did. Came in and got the W, man. Um, you know, that I, I don't know what that means going forward. Um, that was a good move by Jerry Jones bringing him in as a backup, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. But, dang, to, uh, to get the win, have to run out there and, and make some really nice throws in the fourth quarter, thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I thought, you know, and that's that's the thing about having a good backup, right? You, it, 
it's a physical game. You never know what's going to happen. And the quarterback position is so valuable in the National Football League now. They, it's so important to winning games. So, yeah, I, I agree. I thought Andy Dalton did a good job when he got in the football game. And uh, that was – I'm going to talk about that. Because I, full disclosure, I've got Dak as my loser of the weekend. Well, I thought about putting Dalton as my loser too because to make $7 million and hold a clipboard has to be like one of the greatest <laughs> things. And no one really ever questions you. Now you give them a, a chance to say, why, they, why are you guys paying him that much money? He's terrible. So, I mean, we'll see. I Not enough information yet to see if hey, he's the loser out of this. That uh, still could be. Hey, I don't know about you, but that game-winning field goal, that thing looked like it was about to take a hard right. <laughs> it, I mean, it was like dancing around. I was, you know, and I had some fantasy implications on the line. I needed more offense to happen on, from both teams, so I was hoping it hit that, that upright, but um, got the W nonetheless. Nicely yeah. done. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Mike Leach. Oh, Two good points. One. Two points against Kentucky, and uh, which I, I just I watched Costello in that game against uh, LSU, and you know he was just throwing some go balls in man-to-man coverage, but there was some other stuff out there that was just some of the ugliest football I've ever seen, and so it wasn't shocking. I didn't get to watch uh, any of this game. I saw some of the highlights, but that's the first time. A Mike Leach coach team has been held without a touchdown in a football game. So, whoa, pretty shocking. Only uh, two points, and they were lucky to get that. I, I agree. And if you if you weren't able to see any of that game, uh, I was able. To, I, I caught all the highlights, and I was like, wow. I, I mean. You know, Kentucky scored 24 points. Wonder how Terry Wilson played them, you know, at quarterback for them. He was 8 of 20. <laughs> nice. 8 nice. of 20. I was just like. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's an early 90s stat well, line. Well, it, it was. So, so he, he threw for 73 yards. Kentucky rushed for, I want to say Kentucky rushed for like 84 yards. Like and they, <laughs> and they, and they dominated the football game. I was looking at. I I had to like triple check, quadruple check. I was like, wait, is that? Because you know, uh, Saturday night I like to go through you know all the scores like on the ESPN app or something. Just look at them and be like, oh, that's where. And I looked at. I was like, what the? Kentucky won. First of all, twenty four to two. That is just <laughs> that's a horrible score. But Kentucky beat the hell out of Mississippi State, and they had 157 total yards on offense. Unreal. So what was the total for Mississippi State? 295. Huh. They had 20 yards rushing. Did you hear Leach after the game? He basically (laughs) says that – it sounds like he's going to start purging the football team of people. I, what was the – damn it, what was the uh, term he used? The term he used was so funny. It was – I think he said like malcontents or something <laughs> like that. But, 
Yeah. He, Leech when he wins is like a great quote and fun loving and good to go. But boy, when they lose, he <laughs> he turns on those guys quick. Yes. The, Leech said he may need to purge the roster of malcontents. <laughs> That's so damn good. Oh, Mississippi State fans, enjoy the ride. It's just getting started. Okay, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment systems indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audiovisual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes so it looks great and I can control every TV in my house from my phone and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, Teddy, my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Lane Kiffin because that Ole Miss offense is fun to watch. I loved drinking and watching the the second half of that football game. It was so much fun, all the offense that was being played, and that Ole Miss offense shredded Nick Saban and that Bama defense, put up 48 in that loss. But they had so much success against Saban that Saban out loud in the postgame presser wondered if they knew their defensive signals. Like, that's how bad it was. He was like, they had an answer for everything we called. It was unbelievable. And Kiffin was like, we were playing up tempo. We called our play before they even got set on defense. What are you talking about? It was. That's funny. I I happened to listen to some of that game on the drive home. And it was the old Miss broadcast that I was listening to. You should have heard these guys, man. It was – they were just loving it, laughing it up. Oh, look at us go all over Nick Saban's defense. It was great. This is great. <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do love listening to some of the SEC radio calls. Those guys are awesome. But So, so I was going to go with Kiffin because I thought that was pretty hilarious when I heard that stuff from Nick Saban. But I'm going to go NFL, winner of the weekend – the AFC North, man, I mean, the Ravens beat up on the Bengals, but the Bengals got their guy for the future, so I'm not worried about the Bengals, but the Ravens beat up on the Bengals to move them to 4-1. and one. Uh, Touchdowns for Hollywood and Mark Andrews. The Browns outlast the Colts to move to 4-1. and one. Now, Baker sounds like his ribs are okay, but he's – looked like a different quarterback the last couple of weeks uh, playing kind of the way that everyone thought he would be able to play as an NFL quarterback looks good. The running game there for Cleveland seems just fine without Chubb. I mean, cream hunt was really good today. And my man Parky called bank on that field goal to put it on ice. You know, he, no he played deal. it off the post. No big deal. Sing, in there. Single doink. That a boy Parky. <laughs> that's my guy. We live together in Cleveland. So literally that's uh, like, okay. that is my guy. Nice. But, yeah, so the Cleveland Browns are good, Teddy. They are a good football team. And you've got the Ravens, who clearly are a good football team. And then you've got Pittsburgh. I mean, they beat Philly, and they moved to 4-0. And holy shit, Chase Claypool. Have a day, young man. What do you score, four touchdowns? Yeah, and you're right. I think this division – is going to be awesome. 
I think the Ravens are a total football team. I think the Steelers are a total football team. And Cleveland, now that they're sticking with the run, they look a lot better, and it's letting their defense kind of be the star. So, yeah, hey, I'm all about it. And Someone's got to win it, though. These games are going to be crazy down the stretch. Yeah, I think I could see definitely two teams making the playoffs out of this division. Now, sometimes – Things get weird and you have three teams make the playoffs out of one division. I know the playoffs are a little different this year. We'll see, but with how – what's the best word for it? With how vulnerable the Chiefs look right now, yeah. and they went down – God, I can only imagine how happy our boy Plank was when the Raiders oh, yeah. beat the Chiefs. Oh, my gosh. I beat him good, too. I bet he was hammered. Yeah, it got a little close there at the end, but they that was a that was a – a nice win for the Raiders. I did fall asleep. The last play I saw, I think they were up like 33-24, and they had a interception, took it down to the one, and Jacobs ran it in, and then that's whenever I passed out, I think. Yeah. Well, there you go. You got to get your rest, Teddy. That, that, that OU Texas Yesterday took a lot out of you. Yesterday was a long day. It did. But I, I think one of the teams – I wouldn't be shocked. Now, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but – like, I wouldn't be shocked if the, the AFCs I, – I actually, I would love if you could get good odds on it. Like, the, the AFC representative for the Super Bowl is going to come out of the AFC North. Like, I, I'd feel pretty good. I, I think I the picked Ravens, the Steelers before the season started to make right, it to the Super Bowl. I think the Ravens and the Steelers both are legit Super Bowl contenders. And then the Browns are starting to do some pretty good things. I'll say it. They're starting to do some – they're frisky. I'll put them in the frisky category. I like – my four teams in the AFC I like right now are the Steelers, the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Titans. Yeah, if the Titans I don't ever like get the to Chiefs, play again. Man. I, don't, I don't know, man. For whatever reason, I just don't – They're bank. I, I think Coleccio Simile got – he got carted off today. Their O-line is in shambles. Well, yeah, they're, one of their guys opted out, right? The doctor, yeah, the doctor. Canadian guy. Yeah. Saving lives. Even Must though there's nice. really not really any coronavirus in Canada right now. but <laughs> A lot of maple syrup, not a lot of coronavirus. A lot of syrup. Hey, <laughs> correlation. Correlation. Hey, scientists, get on that. Study there, there it. We go. Let us know. All right, my loser of the weekend, Ted. I uh, thought about going with Arkansas because they Oof. got absolutely screwed against Auburn I mean they got screwed right now there were whistles being blown so maybe that affected okay but Bo Nix fumbles the snap picks it up and he spikes it and he clearly throws it backwards like clears day no one could tell me he didn't throw it backwards and Arkansas recovers it like eventually and I know they said there wasn't an immediate recovery or whatever bullshit they and then the SEC put a statement after the game. And they're like, yeah, that's our bad. But our boy Coop is on that training or is on that coaching staff. And I was like, dude, y'all got screwed. Uh, they, yeah. I don't unbelievable. understand. It's, it's clearly backwards. It's clearly a fumble, which I don't know. And they called intentional grounding on the play, which I don't even know why you would call intentional grounding. Even if it was a forward pass, you can't intentionally ground something backwards because it's a fumble. Um, 
that that whole scenario is just really weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. Arkansas got screwed, but um, that was a huge mistake by the refs. But my loser of the weekend um, is Dak, and it makes me sad. And that image of him getting carted off the field, crying, and then raising his fist up that that was awful that's that's the shit about sports that just makes you wonder at times like why why that happened to that guy when all indications are he's a tremendous guy he's a great teammate he's loved around the league does a lot of good stuff in the community and he'd been playing so well teddy uh, and playing on the franchise tag hadn't gotten his big deal and i know I know he turned down what a deal that would have made him like the second highest paid quarterback. I understand, but I, I'm always rooting for those guys that essentially are going, Hey, I'm betting on myself. Like I'm going to go out this year and ball. I'm going to get paid. I'm going to be the highest paid guy. I'm not, he, he wasn't going to get Mahomes' money. So, but I, it just snaps his ankle in half and you're hoping, right? You're hoping, and he's having surgery. He's having surgery that night, right? Mm-hmm. So you're hoping he'll be just fine, but you get in conversation with injuries like that. I mean, you get in conversations about nerve damage and blood flow to that area and all these different things, like all these complex complications that can come with, you know, a traumatic injury like that. But you you just hope he bounces back and ends up making all the money he was going to make. But I, I couldn't help but think right when that happened, I was like, how much money did that just cost him? And this sucks because he, he was playing. He was playing really well for him. And you just – that's the worst part about football. Injuries are the worst part about football. I personally do not think it's going to cost him any money. Good. And- I hope you're right. I think that the injury is not going to be as bad as it looked. Okay. Because I, I still am hoping that it was just a cramp. Oh, <laughs> my God. Okay. So, and I've, I've said it before. Tony Roma is – he may be a borderline Hall of Fame player, but he is going into the National Football League Hall of Fame. He is going into the Football Hall of Fame as a broadcaster eventually. He is the best analyst doing it. Like, he's fantastic. He is. He is the best. I, I firmly At this point, I think he's the best ever already. I think he's that good. I will watch any game he is on the call of. I think he's that good. But him saying... It was hopefully a, a cram is an all-time hilarious moment in broadcasting. He goes, well, if you're a Dallas fan, hopefully it's a cramp. And his ankle is pointed the wrong way, and he's sitting there with this look on his face like, holy shit, look the at ref my is leg. freaking out. like Everyone's – <laughs> Tony Romo goes, well, if, I guess if you're a Dallas fan, you hope it's a cramp. And you're like, dude – the guy's foot is basically falling off his body. Uh, well, 
I, I did laugh. Does that make me a bad person? Like, I was like, oh, my God, no. And then Romo said that, and I, like, I started laughing because I was like, does he not see that his foot is falling off his body? I mean, I, I don't know what, what all they said. I know they said it's uh, he broke his ankle, and I saw that there was a dislocation, too. Oh, yeah. Which, if it's a dislocated ankle, that's a good thing. Um in comparison to being having it broken higher up the up the shin, and I don't know. I'm 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 hopeful. I, have you ever seen the video of Tony Finau at the Masters Par Three Challenge? Yes, with the celebration. He's like backpedaling and he dislocates his ankle and it's like dangling there. And then he kept playing. And then he played the weekend. It was unbelievable. So. I, and I know he had surgery, so that's not going to be the case. But my hope is that the bad part of it, it a normal break broke my ankle, like you hear the normal break, and then the dislocation is what looked really bad. Right. That's okay. my hope. Yeah. No, I did. I love how but, optimistic but, you're being. I'm yeah, and here's the other thing is I, he's franchised, so he's this money this year is guaranteed. Correct. They they would have to cut him, and they're not going to cut him. They're just going to franchise him again, and the franchise tag next year is going to pay him what? Uh, he gets approximately like a, a gajillion dollars. Yeah, so I think he's going to be fine. He may not I hope so. He may not get his big long multi year deal, but I mean he's still set to make upwards of about seventy million dollars over this year and next year. Yeah, and I mean, he's not going to be struggling, but when the guy was in line for such a huge, like, you know, just a, you know, a family-altering payday, right? Generation. What if Andy Dalton takes him to the Super Bowl? Oh, my gosh. Well, then they'll probably cut Dak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is true. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, we'll see. He's a good quarterback, I think. Uh, I mean – the Cowboys are in a better situation than a lot of teams would be if their yeah, starter went sure. down. I think, Absolutely. That's, I think that's definitely safe to say. All right, Ted, let's wet the beak. Wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And, of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stoneville, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Monday night football, and we're getting Tuesday night football, but I couldn't find a line because people don't seem to believe that that game is going to happen, even though, according to the NFL, it's still on track to happen. So I don't really know, but I know Monday night's happening. And that'll be the L.A. Chargers traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. 
and just a little difference uh, when it comes to experience between the two quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, no doubt, shown some serious promise as a rookie. Andrew Brees, a first ballot Hall of Famer that is trying to prove that he is not declining, that he's still got it, right? Even though that chatter is definitely out there at this point. And you know Brees wants to show everyone he's still got it, especially on the big stage that Monday Night Football still is. Now the Chargers are 1-3, and three, but those losses have all been pretty close. So, I mean, it's I, I don't want to say it's a good 1-3, but that's kind of how I feel. Uh, unfortunately for them, Austin Eckler is he's out. He's got that bad hammy. Uh, so I, I could really see the Chargers struggling to run the football, especially against Saints. Defense good against the run. I think uh, top five, if not top five, just Ooh. right outside. Do yourself a favor and watch Demario Davis play. Former teammate. Backup. Former teammate. Oh. We were together in Cleveland. He was – he's gotten better with age. Like, he was a good player when we played together, but he has gotten – I mean, his, his ability – I think it, it's mental with him. I think – I don't know if he started studying film differently or what, but that dude, he flies around now. He is fun to watch. I mean, all does. pro. Yeah, he – I was – the last game they were on, um, I was watching – it was funny. I had been um, – I had been talking with Odom, the linebacker coach, about some stuff about like, you know, just seeing the play and running and making it and pulling the trigger and being active. And like literally 45 minutes later, uh, I'm watching and they highlight Demario Davis on a clip. And it's just like, it's what you want linebacker to look like. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. All pro Arkansas State, okay. They'll find you. They'll find you. It's a, d- d- if, you, if you put it on tape, they'll find you. There was three all-pro linebackers last year. One of them was from Arkansas State. One of them was from Utah State, Bobby Wagner. Yeah, so, Bobby Wagner, uh, he's, he's pretty good. He's yep. pretty good. I mean, they'll find you. They'll find you. Well, in, in that one, I think – so – I don't think the Chargers will be able to run it. So I think Herbert's going to have to have a big game. Uh, I, I like – and we've talked about the Saints running attack before with Kamara and Murray. It's – I think it's going well. And that offensive line starting to play at a high level. So the Saints are a seven-point favorite, and I like them. I like I them a too. lot in that game. But have you heard this whole Michael Thomas thing? Well, I saw that what you – what you put on here, but I hadn't, haven't heard any of the inside story as to what's going on. So I, I guess they, he punched some dude in practice, some guy. And so he got in a fight and punched a teammate during practice. And they said he's being held out of Monday night. And the reason that they cited was team discipline. So there's got to be more to that. Like your star player punches a guy like not ideal. And I I was in the same locker as Mike. Like he's, he's got a temper. There's no doubt, but I don't think you hold your best player just because out of a game, just because he punched a guy in practice. Do you? Well, 
who are you punishing? You're punishing the entire franchise. You're not punishing him. Yeah, I fine his ass. But I, I don't know about you, right. but I bet even the guy that he punched in the face is like, no, we need that guy to play. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing about stuff like that is you end up punishing everyone except him. You know, you go out there and lose, and, and he could be the difference in the game. I mean, that's one of the things that's been missing for the Saints right now is that deep threat to kind of open things up for him. So, Yeah. I don't know. You That's, you just text me that uh, clip of Demario Davis. My yeah. God, <laughs> that's pretty good. Isn't that's it? that's how you he, run into the football. I think he's like thirty one, thirty two years old too. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's he crazy. was a vet. It, it seems like he was a vet when I was playing with him. That was many moons ago. All right, Ted. Let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. Keeping it local, or wait, do you like? The Saints? Saints to cover oh, the seven? Uh, I do like the Saints to cover the seven. I think they're going to be up big, lean on the running game uh, between Kamara and Latavius Murray. I think they pound at home. Okay. I feel the same way. I still don't know what's happening with Buffalo and Tennessee. It, it, supposedly still going to happen on Tuesday. I hope it does it, because I'm excited for that game. I'm oh. excited for Monday night football, Tuesday night football, and I've unfortunately painted myself into a corner fantasy wise uh that if that game doesn't get played i'm going i am screwed <laughs> oh no oh no. who do you have uh just the tight end for the titans john U. smith he's a good player yeah he's played really well recently and i after the all the action got going i was i saw that it was the game was like tuesday i was like oh my god what if it doesn't get played <laughs> The suspense is killing us. All right. Um, Keeping it local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. The schools reopened in the fall. Parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home if necessary. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition... To athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Teddy, a simple question for you, sir. Go ahead. Have you ever wanted to live in a castle? Yes. Same. <laughs> that it, it, A castle has a certain appeal. Now... And I have been to a few castles and a few trips to Europe. And like, I, I would like my castle to have some more modern amenities than the ones that I saw in Scotland and Ireland. Um, and I think we got a chance, man. I, I think it's our lucky day because a luxury castle called the Milam, M-I-L-A-M, Milam, 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 I don't know. Milam. The, the Milam castle is going up for auction. Now, you may be wondering, where is this Millam Castle? Well, it's right here in Oklahoma City at 104th and Rockwell. So, it's going up for auction on Halloween, and I think it's open like anyone can get in on the action, as far as I understand. 15,000 square feet, this castle, Ted. Now, somehow... Even though it's three stories, it's only got three bedrooms in those 15,000 square feet. I don't know how that worked out, but that, that's what I read. 
it does have a 4,500 square foot hall with a stage, which could probably lead to some pretty sweet parties. And it sounds like it has quite the ball and guest setup as well. There's a pool, which I think has a slide and some other cool stuff. Uh, but most importantly, uh, I was reading, I was like, okay, what really matters to me if I were to put a bid in for a castle? I was like, I definitely don't want that thing to be haunted. And according to the people that are putting this thing up for auction, this castle is not haunted. So do we get in on this action or do we say, or do we pass on it, Ted? Because owning a castle, uh, that would be pretty sweet. Have you looked at it? Yeah, it's, it's a little odd. Uh, you seem, you seem skeptical. Not, not, the, not the type of castle you'd want to own? It's just, I wouldn't call this a castle. I'd call it a big brick barn <laughs> that's got a couple of, what are you, those round things called? Like pillars? Pillars, yeah. So I mean, you're you're questioning even whether or not this is a this is truly even a castle. Oh, I know it's not a castle. Wow. Supreme it, auctions, he's coming after you saying it's, got, it's not even a castle. It's got a metal roof like a barn, which hey, I like metal roofs. I got nothing against them. I think castles don't fine. have metal roofs. Castles don't have metal roofs. This thing, it's weird, dude. I mean I'm looking it's at cool. it right now. There it yeah. is. Yeah. What are those things in front? Are those pillars? We can't call Do, those pillars. It's like, is, it, is turret, is that the right turret. word? Yeah. Spire? Is spire. spire. That's a spire. It's a metal building with two spires in front of it. That does not make it a castle. Okay. Well, this article, which is from you know, Fox 25, it calls it a one-of-a-kind luxury manor house. That's probably a better description. The other article I read about it said castle. Well, it's called the Millum Castle, so they clearly think it has all the I common mean, symptoms of a castle. It is one-of-a-kind because I've never seen someone that has their entire yard as a concrete parking lot like this one does. <laughs> what is that all about? I don't know. I mean, I, I think, don't know, dude. This, I, the auction, it looks awesome. That, like the interior of the house is like really nicely done. I mean, it's beautiful, but I don't know, man. It's not, it, I can tell it's not doing it for you. We're okay. out. The Oklahoma breakdown, we're, we're out on the castle auction, aren't we? Damn. Well, I, we're in, but the price, I don't know. It, I, it, I just don't know. What do you think this thing's going to go for? Oil and gas is down, man. <laughs> uh, it doesn't have a reserve. I saw that, which they're, uh, they're living dangerously right now. No reserve on the castle, uh, which I'm looking at the shower. The shower is so big that it has a bathtub inside of it and a TV. That's huh. fascinating. I, I, yeah, we built our house and I purposely, I was like, I don't want a monster shower. I want to be able to, you know, keep it a decent size. And, you know, my wife's got her side, I've got my side, but it's kind of a, 
I, I don't understand people that love huge showers. It's like, it, it's hard to heat them up. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. There's a point of diminishing return on a exactly. shower. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this thing is, the interior is really cool. It's got an Irish pub in it. Ooh. The pool is awesome. Um, is, but, the pool cool, is the pool better than your pool? Because your pool is pretty awesome. Uh, it's got a slide. That's about the only thing. Um, aside from that, I'd probably take my pool. But this one is still pretty cool. So, it's, final verdict. We're maybe we'll throw like a twenty dollar bid in just to see if we get lucky. See what happens. Yeah, sure. I th- I am definitely down for that. All right. Definitely down for that. Episode fifty. Can you believe we done fifty of these? No, that's no, pretty I crazy. Can't. Fifty. Wow. Well, we've only done like well, the first forty something of them were non. I mean, had no football. Well, There's there no football going on, so that was how tough. the hell did we do that? These are fun. I may go back and listen to some of those and be like, "What were we doing?" <laughs> what? Well, they were still 50. on like two hours, though. Yeah, hey, somehow we figure out to make this shit long. Still, I don't know how. All right, episode fifty in the books. We we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder: you can hear Teddy from two to six on Sports Talk fourteen hundred. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.